Good morning, and thank you for joining Springfield Church of the Brothers Worship for March 22nd, 2020. My name is Pastor Andrew Wenger. This is our first online worship, and you may hear some changing of sounds and levels in the background. I beg your forgiveness, we're still figuring this all out. But I hope that the message still comes through to you and that you are able to find some connection with the Holy in this time. A couple of announcements. We are still open for business, as you can plainly see. Uh, if you have any reason that you need to contact the church, please visit our website. We have the email there, as long with our phone numbers. We are still taking prayer requests. Um, I'll try to get those earlier in the week so that I'm able to incorporate them into this worship. We are also still doing Bible study. We'll have one this week on Tuesday night starting at 6 o'clock. We had one this last Thursday. We had about 12 people join and we had a great time as we started our study of Esther. A few other announcements we have. If you are interested in the May outing to Amish country, we are still planning on doing that as of this time. Please contact Rita Snyder. The district conference committee for this coming August, um, and we still need help on that. So please contact Becky Bertoft if you're able to help. Commissions, if you have any invoices, please go ahead and mail them into the church. April newsletter deadline is coming up this week. That is the week following the 22nd. If you have anything that you wish to add to it, please go ahead and email that in to Becky, uh, Evie in the office. Um, and if you usually pick up a paper copy here only, let us know whether you need a paper or a digital copy so that we're able to still get the newsletter out to you. Lastly, even though this is a time of social distancing. The work of this congregation goes on. If you are able to continue supporting the work of the church, we encourage you to send your tithe to the office. Thank you. And now as we come into a space to worship, I invite you to join me in prayer. Holy One, Holy Three, as we gather as one body, not physically, but spiritually. We pray for your comfort and healing in this time of disruption and isolation. We know that we are not alone, but it's hard to feel that in these times. We pray that we can be strengthened in our faith, that we will not forget the lives you have called us to even though we are in this strange new world. We especially remember those who are sick right now and in need of your healing. We pray for our brothers and sisters who have to have the world shut away from them. We pray that even though we can't be with them physically, that they know that they are not forgotten we pray for those who keep our community running, who daily enter into spaces, risking getting ill for the benefit of all of us, that we may still have our basic necessities. We pray for our educators who continue to do their work in a completely different paradigm.
We pray for our first responders and our medical workers who have rushed headlong into their work. We pray for their health. We pray that they are able to find their self-care needed as well, and also for their loved ones. We pray for our leaders, that they have clear eyes and minds, and they do the best that they can as they steer our society through this epidemic. We especially lift up those on our prayer list. Elizabeth, Karen, Mike, Sandra, Rose, Dave, Milton, Josie, Meredith, Janice, Jean, Bob, Peggy, Doris, Doran, Denise and Alyssa, Amy, the Usulton family, Tim, Nicole, and Emily. We also pray for all those unnamed, but in our hearts. Amen. Today, I am going to be reading from the NIV version, Matthew 18, 10 through 14. I will let you know there might be a bit of an oddity in your version um, of this passage. Verse 11 may or may not be missing. If you're looking for it, you can find it in Luke 15, which has the same story. For whatever reason, as we've gone through history, verse 11 has been found to not be in all of the translations or the ancient copies that we have. So some versions have it and some don't. May these words speak to us in these days. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven see always the face of the Lord in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them goes wandering away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. I always enjoy those videos online where you have some animal being rescued by someone who noticed it needed the help. You know, that dog who's caught at the edge of the river or that sheep or that goat that fell down a hole and you see a farmer or a passing by random stranger reaching down and pulling them out. I like it because somebody was paying attention and it's nice that someone is paying attention to those in need. Either they realize somebody was missing or they were paying attention and they noticed the sound, the call, the bark, the bleat. Someone needed help. Especially in consideration of this story, as Jesus is talking about the little ones and he calls them sheep. Now, the little ones are you and me. Chapter 18 starts with the disciples doing what disciples do best, which is argue among each other. Maybe second best if you consider that they also like to get confused. That's their other big thing. But they're arguing. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
And so they take their question to Jesus, and I imagine Jesus rolling his eyes because they're asking dumb questions again. So he brings over a small child and puts the child in their midst and says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes such child in my name welcomes me. Jesus then warns them not to place barriers between the followers who have become like these, these children of God. Not to put barriers between them and the creator. It's a comforting thought, isn't it? To become like a little child again. I mean, we have to acknowledge that everyone has had awesome childhoods. But for many of us, we have fond memories of times when we were small. You remember, you know, not worrying about paychecks and making sure you made the rent or the electric bill or had to do those long papers for high school or college. Or when grandma or grandpa or mom or dad, they cooked meals for you. There was something special about them. They may not have been four-star chef meals, but there's something about the way they made it just as extra good. Or, of course, having that body that could spend all day running and jumping and climbing and tumbling, and you wake up the next day and you don't notice. Your body doesn't hurt. It's an inviting idea to return to those days. But this is a bit of an oversimplification. If there's one thing that my time working with youth, with children, has taught me is that while there may be a veneer of innocence, their understanding of how the world, how people are supposed to work, their understanding of the difference between right and wrong is crystal clear, typically better than we adults. I think that's why Jesus warns them, don't put barriers in. Because if you put barriers into those who can crystal clear, see where they're supposed to go, you're doing something wrong. The children of heaven can clearly see the path to God. Now this is when Jesus compares us, the children of God, to sheep being cared by a shepherd. The shepherd realizes that one is gone and goes and finds him and rejoices, of course, when they have found. We generally have read this story with the idea that the shepherd then returns the sheep to the flock. This is probably how most people have read it through all of history. And I'm not saying it's wrong by any means, but I really believe that the Bible is like the disciples on Pentecost. It may be saying one thing, but while it says that one thing, it speaks a hundred languages. One that we each are able to understand, especially considering our stories and our lives. And when I read this story, one of the voices I'm hearing come out of it is that of J.R.R. Tolkien. In The Fellowship of the Ring, he writes, not all those who wander are lost. My father is a prime example of this. Much to my excruciating annoyance, he would often go on wandering trips. 
Not like, you know, he would just disappear one day, but we would be like, say, going home from church or from school or from visiting someone or doing something. And he would just decide, oh, I kind of want to go check out this road or I want to go that direction. As I said, it was excruciating as a child because I just wanted to get where we were going. Though as an adult, I actually appreciate it and sometimes do it myself. I'm sorry to my child when she gets older and she realizes what I'm doing. He wandered to see. He wandered to experience, to test himself. I know I've spent a great deal of my life wandering. Not simply on the roads when I get my little bit of wanderlust and want to just go explore the area. But reading different ideas, talking to different people, going to new places and experiencing new things. Yes, for some sheep, they're lost. They fell down the hole. They were scared by the wolf. They weren't paying attention. Or they decided they just were going to go in another path, heedless of whatever their safety is. But I notice in this story, the shepherd rejoices when he found the lost sheep, but he doesn't bring the sheep back. At least in the story. We assume, but it's not written there. I wonder if he was just checking in on the sheep, making sure the sheep was okay. You know, I remember taking, taking youth to like national youth conference or large gatherings. You know they're all safe there on the campus. There's lots of people kind of watching over. But you still check in on the safety of your particular group of youth. You just check in, make sure they're okay, but you let them explore, you let them continue to grow. Maybe the sheep just needed some time alone. I mean, he's... That poor sheep had 100 or 99 others all around it all the time. Maybe it just needed a little quiet time. Maybe the sheep was being a shepherd for someone else, showing some of the love, some of the joy, and spreading it out. Perhaps the sheep just needed a little wilderness time, a little time to pray, a little time to get closer to God and come back stronger than ever. Whatever the purpose, we wander or not, though. We know that we are currently in a new kind of wilderness. We are separated. And gathering as a flock, as a community, has been disrupted. But just because we are here in this time of separation does not mean that we are lost. We are not alone. First of all, we live in a marvelous age where we can pick up a telephone and call anyone. We're even in an age where we can put a computer in front of us and we can see each other face to face no matter how many miles exist between us. Kind of like what we're doing today. Just as importantly, we know the Good Shepherd is surely checking in on us. Even if we're not being pulled back into the large flock right now, we know the shepherd's coming in and rejoicing when we are found. Maybe we are wondering, but we know where we are. I'd actually like to read the rest of that Tolkien poem. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. 
The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. We can withstand as individuals, as a community. Our roots are deep and the cold and frost will pass just like it does in the spring morning. And out of this time of wandering, we will find ourselves renewed, reinvigorated. When we are at last reunited, those small flames that we always hold within our souls will have grown brighter and stronger and we will reunite a brighter light in this world. We are not lost. We are not alone. You are not alone. I like to close this in a benediction, a blessing, in a prayer. I pray for all of you that in this time of darkness of the night, and in the sun of the day, in the quiet and the chaos, in the boredom and the manic, and in the loneliness of these days, that you will remember that you are not alone. You are loved. You are watched over. Amen. Blessings on all of you.